Hey, hey, I'm back. 24 Music Matters podcast where we talk about just some music and things of that nature. Sometimes we'll listen to music. A lot of times we will listen to music and talk about it, have some fun. Last week we listened to NBA Young Boys News album, which I hated. <laughs> I was like, I hate it. I was like, everybody who thinks NBA Young Boys like the Tupac of this generation or whatever is ridiculous. It's no, it was not. It's not that good, like at all. But today, I kind of just wanted to talk about some upcoming music, some upcoming tracks, some just music that I am going to be getting potentially on vinyl and things that I am excited about in the future and da 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 da. I just kind of want to round out the year. It's already September and and I just I don't have anything to talk about music wise. There wasn't any like big hits and things of that nature. But I guess we'll talk about the Anthony Fantano thing here in a second. Let me let me take my sleep gummies. Hold on. I like to take my melatonin. Hold on. My melatonin like sleep gummies. Like 20 to 30 minutes before I have to go to sleep. And I'm also drinking nighttime tea. I got to go to the gym tomorrow. I I recorded last night's podcast and I was like, I'm going to the gym tomorrow. Or excuse me, I recorded I recorded yesterday's podcast and I was like, I'm not going to the gym tomorrow. I'm not. I'm sleeping in. But I'm getting fatter. I'm getting more and more out of shape, so I gotta, I gotta go to the gym. Now, I want to talk about kind of this thing that went viral over kind of the week. I mean, I don't even want to say viral. That's not like the way to describe it. So this week, randomly, the artist Drake DM'd the music critic Anthony Fantano on IG, on Instagram. What was the tweets? I mean, hold on. I can just find the tweets. Give me like two seconds. Where is it? I mean, can I? I'm, I don't want to read an article. I just want to look at it. Okay, okay, okay. Boom. Here we go. So... Drake tweeted out, not tweeted, he, oh my god, this is so annoying, I, I hate, I hate Drake so much, he's so pretentious, he is so annoying, he is so overrated as an artist at this point in his career, and he just, everything that he creates is just a walking piece of mediocrity, or below mediocrity, and it's, and it, his music is just horrendous. And at this point in his career, and I just, I don't understand people who try to defend it. Here's the actual DM that he sent to a music critic who, <laughs> his, uh, his review style is, it's usually one out of 10, and he will either say a strong one or a strong, or a light one. He'll either say it's a light whatever or a strong whatever. So like, let's say if it's a good review, he'll say, I'm feeling a light Eight on this, a strong seven transition. That's what he says, right? So in the DMs, Drake is like, your existence is a light one, and the one is because you are alive. 
and cause you somehow wifed a black girl, I'm feeling a light, <laughs> I'm feeling a light to decent one on your existence. It was a little bit of, it was, a, it was you know, I laughed a little bit. I laughed. Cause I, I especially like, I like when I read it, I read it with the voice of Anthony Fantano. People who are like, that's not a good comeback is a little bit ridiculous. It's just like, it's a good comeback. You're, you're destroying a person with their own words. It's just like, you, you can do that. I remember Anthony Fantano's video. It was a bit cringy because he was just like, you can't do that. You can't destroy me with my own review system. And it's just like, yeah, he kind of did. If I got that in my DM, if I got somebody trying to destroy me with my own review system, I would have been like, oh, that's, that's a bit clever. But the cleverness of Anthony Fantano is farther and deeper than the cleverness and the intelligence of one Drake, whatever his last name is. The reason for that is that instead of posting the actual DMs to YouTube in a YouTube video or on the internet by like tweeting it out, he could have just posted them and everybody would have been like, oh, Drake is a bit ridiculous. What he did was he posted a video where he had photoshopped pictures of Drake's of like of essentially Drake DMing him. So it, but it was like it was it wasn't real, but it was again it was photoshopped. So he had these like photoshopped pictures of him getting DM'd by Drake and Drake essentially <laughs> it was a bit funny. It was a bit of a troll. It was essentially like Drake was DMing him about a vegan cookie recipe. It was a, it was a bit hilarious, but something that I was just like, "Eh, this is it's it's hilarious, but it's ridiculous. So from that video, Drake then decides, well, I <laughs> I got to clear the record. I now have to put out the V, not the vegan, excuse me, but the actual DMs onto the internet and it, like in a bit of like essentially exposing himself. I'm like, uh, it, it, like, Anthony Fantano goes at a lot of people, some of them a bit harshly, more than others, in my opinion. I don't really care that Drake DM'd him. I don't really care that Anthony Fantano made a parody video about the tweets. It's just so eye-rolling that Drake would think that people actually think that Anthony Fantano's fake video or video with fake photoshopped DMs would be significant or relevant or important or whatever. And he just gave him more attention and he embarrassed himself to hundreds of millions of people, his fans and Anthony Fantano's fans and everybody else in between, including myself. It was a bit of a joke, if I'm 100% honest with you. And I think it reflects somewhat on his art, on his music, that he's just like, yeah, I can just post this and it be like a slam dunk. And again, it kind of is. Like as much as people want to be like, as much as Anthony, and I love Anthony Fantano, as much as Anthony Fantano's whole response for the most part was, you can't use, or it was a big part, it wasn't the whole response, but as much as he said, you can't use my review system against me, that's exactly what Drake did. And it was a bit funny. Not the part of him potentially killing himself, the, uh, the whole, your existence is a light one, and the one is because you are alive. Like, that's not necessarily funny, but the whole, I'm feeling a <laughs> I'm feeling a light to decent one on your existence is, is kind of funny. 
Anthony Fantano iced him out, roasted him up. He said, if this is the best that you can do as like a solo act when it comes to like writing insults and writing bars, then I can see why you need a bunch of ghost writer ghost writers. That's the shot that, uh, that was, uh, that was, that was the fucking kill shot. I was like, when he said that, I was like, that's, that's pretty fucking savage. I think Anthony won the whole, like, like, look, I think Anthony won the, uh, you know, the, the insults, the, you know, like the, just kind of like the back and forth, just uh, again, by like Drake self-exposing himself, but it's just like, I'm so over Drake. I'm so over him as an artist, as like a personality. I'm asleep on Drake. I, I'm fully asleep on Drake. Wake me up when he creates good music again. He has pretty much in the last three, four, maybe five projects not released anything that is worthy of any sort of attention. They are always overblown, overdrawn, or not overdrawn, but they are always too long. They are always surprisingly media. It feels like Drake is a little bit asleep at the wheel, you know? His fans eat his shit up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But it always feels that Drake is, like, asleep at the fucking wheel, you know? And then I was watching the H3H, the H3 podcast, excuse me, not the H3H3, that's not how they refer to themselves anymore, but I guess. But I was listening to, like, a podcast, and one of the crew on the podcast was like, I used to be super big into Drake until he, like, collaborated with Chris Brown after Chris Brown like, beat the shit out of Rihanna, by the way, how is he not in prison, I, I don't understand that, I don't know, regardless, after he had, like, you know, assaulted Rihanna, apparently Drake and Rihanna were, like, off and on, off and on for many years, and once it was, like, finally they were off, that was when he collaborated with Chris Brown on a song, a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of a shot at Rihanna, I guess, again, he's not a good person, really he's a he's not a good person who doesn't create good music it's so sad again I was like listening to the NBA Youngboy album even though in my opinion Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers is not Kendrick Lamar's best album and it's by far not even close it's obviously like To Pimp a Butterfly or Good Kid Mad City I'll take either one of those over Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I think it is better than Section 80 and Damn, but still. Uh, like, Kendrick Lamar's, like, projects that aren't as strong as To Pimp a Butterfly are still good projects. Whereas, like, honestly, Nevermind is unlistenable for the most part. And it's kind of ridiculous that an artist with Drake's resources can put out such shit and not be, like, punished for it, not be criticized for it overtly. Oh, I mean, technically he was, but, like, even some of his fans were like, yeah, this is shit. But still, it's just, I like, I feel like if somebody put out an album like that, their career would take, like, a step, like, like their career would be dampered a little bit, but Drake's is just, I mean, he could put out a project tomorrow and it will get attention, you know? I mean, he just brings in views and attention. This is kind of one of those reasons. I just thought that it was so interesting that he would respond to something. I mean, it wasn't even a response. It, like, Anthony Fantano categorically shits all over Drake's music. But, um... I just... I never thought that he would actually, like, post something like this. 
or do something like this, to be honest with you. But it does. It just simply put does just showcase off just how fucking obnoxious Drake is as like an artist and how stupid he is. Anyways. That's the whole Drake and Anthony Fantano beef. So stupid. I never, I like, I never want to see, I, like, I get it, you know. I get it. If you're an artist, you get bad attention from critics all the fucking time. Potentially. And it can be ob obnoxious and exhausting when potentially you put out something that you feel is great. And maybe an artist, or maybe not an artist, but maybe a critic doesn't perceive it as such, and especially somebody who does not like a lot of your music, like Anthony Fantano has not liked a lot of his music recently. I get it, you may be frustrated, you may be mad, you may be angry, but... I mean... To some degree, Anthony Fantano is right in the sense of, like, he is just a music critic. He's not as rich as Drake, he's not as successful financially, he's not as powerful... He doesn't have as much influence on the uh, on uh, on the genre of hip hop like Drake does, and it's just like I, like I don't know, man. It's just so annoying to watch like quote unquote one of the best rappers of our era get into get into an Instagram spat with a music reviewer after yet another terrible project, after another terrible project. It was just like CLB last year, and honestly, never mind this year. It was just like it was garbage. Both, both albums were gutter trash. So. Anyways. I kind of end the podcast here with just some music that I'm super excited for. And also some, some like some vinyl and things of that nature that I'm also excited for. Just like vinyl music and stuff like that. I'm big into vinyl. One of the problems that I've kind of uh, started to recently come across as I have, like, bought more and more vinyl over the last, like, two years. I started to get into vinyl during the global pandemic, and uh, I, I've, like, never looked back from it. I love vinyl. I love music. I love listening to music, and I love just the quality of sound that comes from listening to vinyl. So I love vinyl. But the problem that you'll, like, naturally run into when you start buying physical anythings, is that, like, books, DVDs, Blu-rays, vinyl, is, like, they'll just start collecting space. It's just, like, I have an entire closet right now that just has, like, almost all of my worldly possessions in it. Like, it just has, like, all of my books, my DVDs, everything that I've owned for the most part of my entire life in it, and, uh, like, binders, from, like, high school and, like, just all of my worldly possessions. And it's just, like, it's a lot of stuff. Like, it probably won't take up a room. It'll probably take up all of that stuff. It'll probably take up, like, two or three, maybe four bookcases total. It's like, boom, that's all my life. Plus, like, literally a gradenza, like a TV stand, with, like, all of the books that I've read throughout the last, like, four to five years. So... My point is, is that buying physical stuff takes up space, but that's not really a surprise. But with vinyl, 
I've bought a shit ton of vinyl over the last couple of years, and I've needed this, like, way of being able to have my vinyl in, like, not having my vinyl in a space near me, but, like, storing it very openly right next to me, and I have, like, two crates, I have one storage crate, I have, like, they're essentially both storage crates, like, both of them are just crates that vinyl, that my vinyl goes into, and I just have it on my desk and things of that nature, or not have it on my desk, but, ha like, have it underneath my desk, and I can just, like, access it very, very easily, but I was on Amazon, like, a week, week or two ago, and I fucking just, like, saw this amazing thing where it was just like, oh, I can, like, store my vinyl on my desk in this record holder that can hold, like, 80 to 100 LPs, which is insanity. But it's, like, 30, it's, like, almost 40 bucks on Amazon. But it's insane. It's, like, the, the last vinyl, what is it? The last vinyl crate that I bought was, like, $20, and it's just, like, this is $20 more, but it looks better, and it stores more. Like, yes, please. But, like, Amazon is selling a bunch of really, really awesome vinyls as well. AWOL Nation has uh, the Megalithic Symph Symphony. Let me play you a little bit of that. I don't mind playing you a little bit of that. But, like, AWOL Nation, um, I was, like, on... I was, like, working out a couple months ago, getting shin splints, as I always do whenever I run hills in the summer. But I was watching AWOL, uh, not watching, but like listening to AWOL Nation's Megalithic Symphony a couple of months ago. And I was just like, do they have like a vinyl record of it? Because I was listening to it and I was just like, holy shit, this sounds so fucking good. And I was surprised at just how great it had aged over really almost a decade. And I was like, I, I gotta have it. I gotta listen to it. Mega, let me try and find it. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like find it here. Hold on. It's like this indie, indie, like alternative rock sound from like the early 2000. Thank you. Early 2010s. It's really, really awesome. Let me try and, eh, let me try and bump it up a little bit. We share this moment, and I am grateful for this. I was born to rage for my father's pain with my brother's style for my mother's reign. We could use some hope. We must learn. Kind of like the chorus or the verse then the chorus and then it'll go into another verse it's a really really good song it's a really really good album there's like a bunch of bangers on it to me it's like 
it's pretty close to like a perfect album. If not, it is a perfect album in my opinion. And I really, really enjoyed reminiscing and listening back to it. And I, and when I was listening to it, when I was working out, I was just like, holy shit. I was like, this is actually a really, really dope album. And so I was wondering if they had albums of it on vinyl and they do except um they are like super exclusive their 10th anniversary editions like when i get a little bit more money i'm i'm getting one so i was like i was stoked on that plus like the uh what is it the vinyl crate thing and like every i won't i won't be going over like everything that i'm going to be purchasing here in the next couple of months but i was just like when i listen to that megalithic symphony a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, I was just like, holy shit, I cannot believe how fucking awesome that album was. And People, that's a song that we just listened to. People really... It's like one of the first songs on the album. It's the third song. But really, there's like an introduction, but like, Burn It Down is a pretty good song. Oh yeah, Not Your Fault is like one of my favorite songs on the album. Hold on, let me play you a little bit of it and then we'll kind of move on to like other things as well most of the time whenever i buy vinyl i usually just buy vinyl that i like albums that i like music that i like from artists that i like and i usually just kind of like don't really try to go for like let me just have a complete collection that everybody will like and everybody will listen to because i'll never satisfy anybody but We'll kind of get into some of the other things that I'm excited to get. AWOL Nation, Not Your Fault. It's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite tracks on the album. I haven't listened to this album, ironically enough, in months. After after I like went almost a decade without listening to AWOL Nation, the last album that I listened to was, I think, their second album. And, oh, God. I remember, I, I, I don't know if it was good or not, because... My brain was still developing when I listened to it, so maybe it's better than what I expected. Anyways, not your fault. Coming up next. Again, kind of a formulaic approach to their songs where it's just like verse, chorus, verse at the very least with the last two songs that we've listened to. But 
it's just such an awesome build up to the chorus and then the chorus the what it, I don't want to say the distance but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's a bigger difference or not difference but distance from the first chorus to the second chorus and the chorus is easily the best part of the song let's bo let, let's bump it up a little bit Awesome, awesome, awesome song. And the thing is, to me, it's a perfect album for, like, pause the music. I'm, like, losing my train of thought as I'm, like, listening to the music. But it's a perfect song that I think encapsulates vinyl so much and so well. It's a song that, like, on my speaker does not sound as good as my beats. Like, it just, it does not sound as good as it does on my beats. But if I were to put it on my beats, it would sound great. It would sound awesome. It would sound significantly better. I could get a lot more out of the production and out of what they've put a lot of hard work and effort into over, like, um, with my beats over my speaker. And I think that's kind of, like, the the beauty of, like, vinyl is that, like, you can better appreciate the music if you have better equipment, there's like certain music that it's just like, it's just produced so bad. The effort wasn't there, things of that nature that, um, that it just, it doesn't matter what platform you listen to it on. It doesn't matter if you listen to it as an MP3, as a CD, as a cassette tape or as a vinyl, or you listen to it with beats headphones or good speakers or whatever. It's just like, it sucks. It's poorly produced. But AWOL Nation's megalithic, it's hard for me to say, megalithic symphony, symphony, excuse me, is a really, really awesome produced album and record that, uh, that really, really shines a lot, especially with Not Your Fault. Like, there's, to me, three different versions of this song. There's, like, the speaker, the, like, Bluetooth speaker version of this song, the Beats headphones, which are significantly better than my Bluetooth speaker, and then finally, there is the vinyl version of it, which will be significantly better than probably both of them. So I'm really excited to listen to it on vinyl for like the first time ever. And then also, I was in the gym one day. We're in like, the corner and a hold on, sorry about that. Their local agent is hold on, sorry. A lot of my vinyl excursions always start with, I was in the gym one day just listening to music. And this is kind of one of them where, in fact, I think the next two are going to be two of them where I'm just in the gym, I'm working out, and I'm like, I just want to listen to some new music to get me pumped up. So I start listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire, specifically Boogie Wonderland and September. September being as Safari breaks literally as I'm trying to use it. September being, what is it? This song. Everybody, everybody, you've heard of September. Everybody knows September. Here it is. Hold on, hold on. It's like my Bluetooth speaker disconnected and then reconnected. I apologize. Here's September.
everybody has heard of this song if you I'm black if you are black I feel like September is is just a song that you've listened to hundreds of times before hold on this is probably one of the best parts of the song So that's September. It's probably one of the greatest songs, in my opinion, ever. It's so perfect. I like. I, I like. I've I've listened to this song hundreds, if not thousands, of times, and I'm obviously not sick of it. It's awesome. It's an awesome song. I I cannot believe how little, just mainstream wise, we talk about the band Earth, Wind, and Fire. And it's also weird to think of them as a band because, like, it, like they're like bands are essentially thought of in a very singular fashion. They're like, you must be a hard rock or a rock and roll band, and it's just like they're kind of like a disco pop band. And this is kind of where my my um perception of bands kind of like formed. It was from Earth, Wind, and Fire, and things of that nature. But yes, you've heard of Earth, Wind, and Fire. You've heard of September. There's so many awesome tracks. And I was and I was looking for a definitive version, like a definitive collection, like an old like a greatest hits version of this uh, uh for this band on vinyl. And then I was just like going through their songs and I was just like, I don't know I don't know, for example, some of their songs like Fantasy. I was just but it's just like I have. I have heard, even now, I have no idea how the melody goes, and I'm like, I've heard of this song, Fantasy. I remember hearing of it because I remember thinking to myself, I've never heard this song ever in my entire life, and then I heard like a couple of, of, uh, of seconds of it, and I was just like, oh no, I have. As we get a, a another horrendous ad, I probably should like set it up while I'm looking it up instead of setting up and then looking for the song and then getting an ad and then... Here we are, waiting. Here we go. Fantasy.
maybe you have listened to that song, maybe you haven't. But I was just like, wait, I don't remember the beginning of it, but I do remember the, and we'll live together. I, I cannot, I cannot sing at all. But then there was like another really, really awesome song that like everybody's heard of. You know what? You know what Earth, Wind, and Fire kind of reminds me of a little bit? They do kind of remind me of like Queen a little bit. Or just like their music has kind of surpassed themselves and it's just kind of become mainstream. Like not mainstream, but just cultural. Like it's just like Queen, it's just like we will, we will rock you. You know? It's just like everybody knows that song, but everybody may not know that that is a Queen song. Maybe not as popular as Queen, but like very impactful in, in culture. Shining Star. Maybe, maybe people don't know Shining Star was, was an Earth, Wind, and Fire song. But it is. It was. It is an Earth, Wind, and Fire song. This, no, no, I remember this song was in like Cheaper by the Dozen and South Park. So maybe it is, maybe, I, I think maybe it is. I think maybe it is. I think Earth, Wind, and Fire may be like just cultural where everybody just plays an earth wind and fire song and may not knows know what like what it is And then if we were to like skip ahead to like later on in this in the song where they continue the the chorus a little bit it's only a two minute song but it's still super awesome Super, super awesome song. Shining Star, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Probably one of my favorite songs that when I was going through the track list for this album, I was just like, there's no way that I know after the love has gone. And I 1000% did. I just didn't realize that it was the chorus of the after the love is gone. Da -na 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 -na. Everybody knows this song. Would invite us to begin the day. Yeah. 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 
Such an awesome song. Oh my god. You want to know my favorite thing about Earth, Wind, and Fire? We listen to Fantasy, Shining Star, September, and After the Love Has Gone. And you want to know what those songs had in common? Pretty much the artists. And that's kind of it. The range of this band is so fantastic. Like, they just did so much stuff. They changed so many different things. It's not that they changed genre, but it was... They used a little bit with a lot. They used a lot, excuse me, they used a little bit and they got a lot out of it. Such an awesome band, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Music group, whatever you want to call it. Just awesome, awesome. And the lead up for this song, like the lead in to the chorus is Chef's Kiss, awesome. Turn it up, they're about to get into the chorus. Awesome, awesome, awesome song. I could listen to it all day. Jesus Christ. But Earth, Wind, and Fire, I was listening to it in the gym. It was like listening to Nirvana again. I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe how awesome this is. And I didn't even listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire like that because it was my parents' genre of music. And I was just like, I'm going to listen to rap. I'm going to listen to rock music. I'm going to do all this other stuff. And then I was just like, I went back to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Now. I got I to put some Earth, Wind, and Fire on this. So, super excited to get that in a couple of months. Super excited to get reintroduced to Earth, Wind, and Fire. But yeah, AWOL Nation, AWOL Nation's Megalithic, Megalithic Symphony, and then Earth, Wind, and Fire's uh, Ultimate Collection. It's technically their Ultimate Collection. Like, that's the title of the album. Or the vinyl. I don't know if it's like 180 grams or not. I doubt it. It's only 20 bucks. Hopefully it doesn't sound like shit. But another... Uh, another just like awesome album that I never really listened to. Just because there was no way that I was ever going to listen to like hip-hop ever. As a kid, like, my parents were not about to let me listen to, like, rap or whatever. But another album that I was, like, really, really stoked to, you know, to kind of, like, revisit or visit for the first time. And maybe we'll listen to the entire thing on the podcast here in a couple of weeks, depending on what I have planned for next week, is Kanye West. And uh, not new Kanye, but old Kanye. Kanye West with graduation and college dropout probably... I mean, some people argue that that is the best era of Kanye. I mean, it's definitely the oldest. And it's one of the more, like, it's one of the more consistent eras of Kanye when it comes to hip-hop. I don't know if it's the best. I haven't listened to Kanye's entire discography. But 
obviously this was like, I'll say this. Kanye West is probably one of the best rappers of all time. And when I heard this shit, when I heard we don't care and I've loved through the wire for months, but when I heard this shit, my mind was fucking blown. Oh yeah. I got the perfect song for the kids to sing. And all my people that's drug dealing just to get by. Stack your money till it gets sky high. We weren't supposed to make it past 25. Jokes on you, we still alive. Throw your hands up in the sky and say, If this is your first time hearing this, you are about to experience something so cold. We never had nothing handed, took nothing for granted, took nothing from no man. The bars in the verse, the chorus are just so on point with this song. It's just, it's amazing. But really, the chorus is to me the best part of the song. I'll let him get into it here in a couple of seconds. This is for my niggas outside all winter, cause this summer they ain't finna stay next summer, I'm finna. Sitting in the hood like community colleges. This dope money here is little Trey scholarship. Cause ain't no tuition for having no ambition. And ain't no loans for sitting your ass at home. So we forced to sell crack rap and get a job. You gotta do something, man. Your ass is grown. Drug dealing just to get by. Stack your money till it gets sky high. Kids sing, kids sing. This is it. When I heard this shit, I remember watching Kanye West's documentary and how he went into the office of like that lady, that executive from like Rock Nation. And I'm not a I'm not a Kanye West fan as like a person. Like I, I think the person is a terrible person. But I think the artist is a great artist. And I was shocked when he like walked into that office at like Rock Nation or whatever, and he like played not through the wire not even we don't care i don't even know if he had those two songs but um i forgot what song it was but he played like one of his one of like the top singles off that song or off that album college dropout and the uh the executive was just like oh yeah like this isn't really that big of a deal and he he was like this big producer at the time it was the early 2000s so people had seen producers be able to be artists and be like rappers and stuff like that like dr dre is the is the is the number one example at that point in time and they were like kanye west we don't care about him we don't care about his song and then it's just like to think that this was on that album is like mind-blowing fucking mind-blowing jesus christ but those are some of the albums that I was listening to over the last couple of weeks. That I'm like, actually, and really for the last couple of months that I'm like really, really excited for. I found like great, great sellers on it. And I'm just, I'm excited to kind of just like change up my vinyl game. Well, that sounded terrible, but I was like, well, that sounded terrible, but I'm excited to like, change up how I listen to vinyl. I'm excited that I'm getting a little bit more hip hop into that, you know, like my vinyl collection. Cause I really don't have any, 
Uh, I'm getting. I'm also like on top of those three albums: uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Megalithic Symphony, and College Dropout, or their collection by Earth, Wind, and Fire. But like all three of those albums, I'm also getting three hip hop albums: Mad Villainy, Under Pressure by Logic, and To Pimp a Butterfly. Shockingly low prices on Amazon, by the way, or at the very least, Under Pressure and To Pimp a Butterfly. I think. I think. I don't know, but like, I don't know if Under Pressure is the 180 gram one. 180 grams on vinyl is like the best, one of the heavier versions of vinyl. But like, you cannot find a 180 gram version of To Pimp a Butterfly on Merch Bar for like less than $30, almost $40. And it's just like, I found one on Amazon for 26. It's insane. Like, that's insane how much money also when it comes to just new music we have uh taylor swift kind of in the news i already pre-ordered my edition of midnight's her newest album available next month literally in about a month october 21st Oh God, it, like Taylor Swift is in such an interesting point of her career. She's had a lot of success with her re-records of Red and Fearless. Those two albums, obviously her getting into a, a little like legal issue, trying to own her own masters of her art, of her music, which every artist should and can, I mean, not can, but def definitively should own their masters, but they don't. But she's just like, well, I want to own the masters for my music. She wanted to even purchase them. But like her mortal enemy, like Scooter McBron or whatever the fuck his name was, he now owned them. And uh, she like he bought them when he knew that she wanted to. And she was just like, fine, fuck you. I'm going to re-record all of my music. And she has recorded two of her most popular albums, Red and Fearless, off of really kind of the resurgence of Taylor Swift after folklore and evermore and so taylor swift is just fucking running a fucking hot streak right now with her music and then about a couple about a week or two ago she um, during i think the vna vmas she announces that she's releasing this really really awesome new album i mean i haven't even heard a lick of it i don't even know if it's awesome but she announced that she is going to be releasing a new album called midnight's at midnight, October 21st of this year. And in <laughs> true Taylor Swift fashion, there is a lot of versions and editions for this album when it comes to the physical copies of it. If you have no idea how Taylor Swift runs her business, she has, uh, or she used to have with Folklore and Evermore, or specifically Folklore, I guess, she used to have a shit ton of different editions with that album. All of them with different album covers, all of them with different colored vinyl discs as well, or vinyl records. So you could have like a different colored vinyl with a different album cover with like different back covers with different insight. Like it was different. Like everything was different, which is cool. It's great, but it's also somewhat disappointing in some ways, because you will never get the full 
the full uh, collection of vinyl from Taylor Swift, unfortunately. Like, that kind of sucks. But at the exact same time, it's it's like, you know, it, it's subjective. It's like, you'll, you'll still be able to have the vinyl. But she kind of did something similar with this where you still have like four different versions of Midnight that she's selling on her on her actual store, like four different CD and vinyl releases. And then she has an additional one that she is selling to Target. It's like the lavender version of it. But the lavender version of it has three bonus tracks for the CD, which it's just like, huh? What? The CD has three bonus tracks and none of the other editions have those three bonus tracks, which is so weird to me. I don't know. I like, I don't even know. I, I, I want the deluxe edition CD. You want to know why? Because it has three bonus tracks on it. My vinyl that I ordered the day one doesn't have that. I don't know. But like she, she and other artists, they have like an exclusive deal with Target where they'll sell Target more unique versions of their vinyl. Like Billie Eilish sold Target, I think a glow in the dark version of when we all fall asleep where do we go i don't know if the artists by the way are like directly in charge of like what goes where and like what vinyl records do what or whatever i don't know if they are actually in charge of that but what i do know and what i can say is that uh i'm not going to be able to listen to the three bonus tracks that are coming out on midnights so that kind of sucks A little bit. It, it it sucks a little bit, but I'll get over it. I'm, I'm a little. I'm I'm sad. I am sad though that I won't be able to uh, to listen to those tracks. But I am excited for Midnight's. It comes out in a month. One one record that I am on the fence about purchasing. That for me normally would be like an automatic. An automatic, just like, bye. I love the band. I love everything that they do. I'm super excited to see what they have. But, um, it's the Pretty Reckless. It's the Pretty Reckless. The Pretty Reckless, obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, because maybe not everybody knows about them. But really a band that has, um... Really a, a band that is like had some very, very high highs, a band that, in my opinion, is super underground, considering like I don't think they've really been able to like have that main mainstream kind of mainstream rock, by the way, like mainstream rock staying power that I feel like they really should. And that's in, in, in the, the Pretty Reckless have been around for almost 11, 12 years. They've been one of my favorite bands really since I was in high school. And they have apparently a new acoustic version of some songs, some tracks that are coming out on October 4th, not October 4th, excuse me, November 4th, ironically enough, a week before the new God of War is supposed to come out, but they're having a new album come out that has a bunch of acoustic, let me meet my computer audio because I'm getting an ad before I play a song, that has like a bunch of acoustic versions of their songs among other songs as well. 
Let me try and get the uh, the track list here. Hold on. Uh, buh, 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 buh. boom, got it. It's called Other Worlds, and I think the band wanted to go with a more acoustic sound. I think Pretty Reckless is such an awesome band, just sound-wise. They have such a great, talented singer in Taylor Mossman, and they're just really, really excellent artists in general. And they have a lot of different songs that I'm kind of interested in in uh in hearing one of the uh one of the songs that they released was got so high and Harley uh, uh not Harley darling but got so high but they have what is it like two versions of the exact same song as well I don't know it's weird but like here's the first song that they released this year for their new record yeah it's it's got so high a remix version? I don't know if it's an acoustic version, but here it is. It's not acoustic, I don't think. I think it is just like a remix, though. Turned out wasted, confused, complacent, To me, a, I like the song. I like Got So High. It's not, it, it's not one of my favorite songs off of the album, if I'm 100% honest with you. And again, that is a remix for Got So High. That is not the actual track off of it. It's a remix that's going on the new album called Other Worlds. But it's not the actual song. This is the actual song. One, two, one, three. Turned out, wasted, confused, complacent, die. Lost my center, suppose I meant to
In my opinion, I like this version better than the remix, but I get what they were trying to do with the remix, and it kind of sounds that uh, that the vocals are different a little bit. So it sounds like she did, like they're slightly different. It sounds like they did, at the very least, re-record the vocals for Taylor Mossman, which is awesome, considering like that some people will have a quote-unquote remix for a song and they'll like stylistically change parts of the sound which they didn't do with this song they didn't like change the tempo they didn't remix it completely where it's just like the overall tone is different in my opinion but i i mean i haven't listened to the new song yet but it like pause it but it's like we listen to a minute and 30 seconds of the new got so high and it doesn't sound tonally different from the old version. But I do like the old version more than the new version. And Got So High wasn't one of the songs that in my that for me didn't really it didn't really hit me really at all. But I am excited for some of the other songs like Harley Darling and Only Love Can Save Me Now, which I did like a lot. I did like that song. Hopefully I didn't it hopefully it didn't sound like I didn't like it, but I did like Only Love Can Save Me Now, and I love the title track, Death by Rock and Roll. I'm super excited to see what those songs are going to sound like. And then there's other songs, there's like covers of other songs as well that I'm very, very excited for as well. I don't think this is going, I think if this was like, if I could create like a parallel for an artist. I think this would be like Kendrick Lamar's Untitled Unmastered, where it's just a collection of really, really good songs that are kind of unfocused. Like with Untitled Unmastered, those songs weren't necessarily like, hey, we're going to have these songs be really, really like top tier or not top tier is the best way to describe it, excuse me. But we're we're not going to have this be an album that Kendrick is like a concept album that Kendrick is really like trying to produce. This is just like, leftovers for to pimp a butterfly and potentially even leading a little bit into damn but we're not this is not an actual album you know the emphasis on this is not an actual album was also with the song titles where the song titles were essentially like untitled and it gave you like the date of the song and then the song played and things of that nature now obviously this is not that same rawness because the songs actually like have titles and there is a little a lot more meaning behind them where it does sound like they have re-recorded some of the songs and put them into uh this new album but at the exact same time this isn't like the same concept of death by rock and roll where it's just like we will have a full-fledged album here regardless i'm still very excited for it i'm still very excited for it Taylor Mossman to me is like is uh, is like Demi Lovato, you know what I mean? Or it's just like we listened to Demi Lovato a couple of weeks ago in her new album and it knocked it it knocked my fucking socks off with how just concept-wise just how powerful of a singer Demi Lovato was, how technical of a singer Demi Lovato was and how like mechanical she was and how also talented she was. There is so much rarity with Demi Lovato 
and how as an artist she is just like completely and utterly like made very very difficult things look and sound extraordinarily easy and I feel like Taylor Mossman is kind of in that same vein where she just has this very beautiful deep powerful soulful voice and there's so many different sounds like earth wind and fire there's so many different sounds that the pretty reckless excuse me will hit on with their albums like where they had a um where they had what was the album called i always who you're selling for who you're selling for was a lot more i would say raw and a little bit more um it wasn't raw excuse me but it was just production wise there wasn't really like I, like all of their instruments it sounded like were recorded in studio there wasn't any like uh computers that were used it sounded like to make it sound like everything was perfect you know what i mean it sounded like whenever they would have people come in and perform with them they would have people come in and perform with them. And if, and it was take it as it was that album, who you're selling for to me was take us as we are. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to fix everything post-production, uh, everything. It sounded like it was kind of recorded on tape, to be honest with you. It just sounded extraordinarily like raw and by raw, it's not the best way that I would, it's not the best word to use, but it sounded as if, there wasn't an incredible amount of post-production to it, which is why I kind of use the word raw. But Death by Rock and Roll, it wasn't raw. It was like I could tell just by the difference of sound that they did use computers to perfect their sound. And by the way, Death by Rock and Roll is my favorite album of the entire band. But it sounded like they had used computers to really perfect sounds. It sounded like there was computer-generated audio which there's nothing wrong with, by the way. It just sounded different, but it was still in the same vein, kind of like Earth, Wind, and Fire, where it was just like, we have so many different tracks. We have Fantasy, Shining Star, September, After the Love is Gone. There's so many different tracks that are all from the exact same band, and they don't really branch out genre from the genre, excuse me, but there's just so much creativity and imagination that people used to create those songs and those unique sounds for their albums and for their music. It's great. It's like, I love it. It's some of my favorite types of music where it's just like, we get the very last drop out of our album, out of our genre, out of our music, out of our instruments. We may not be incredibly technical or methodical or or mechanical like the Foo Fighters are a really great example of that as well where it's just like they're not extraordinarily extraordinarily excuse me technical methodical blah 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 like Dave specifically with Dave Grohl Dave you know like the lead drummer not the lead drummer the lead singer vocals for uh the Foo Fighters formerly of Nirvana obviously the drummer potentially not obviously regardless Dave Grohl can't read music he can't write music he just plays it by ear and by sound and he gets everything that he possibly can out of actually like just what he knows how to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's some really, really awesome music coming out. I'm so excited for it. Uh, in the next month, we'll be tuning in. We'll be listening to it. I'm super stoked on it. The pretty reckless. When was, when is their newest album going to come out? Give me like two seconds to figure this out. 
Like, when does it come out again? Other Worlds. I know it comes out in October, right? Hold on. I just... I think it comes out around the same time. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I literally said it. What? It doesn't come out in October. It comes out in November. Regardless, I'm still excited for it. I'm excited about all the new vinyl that I'm going to be getting. I'm going to... Amazon does not have great vinyl shipping, so that's a bit of an issue. And with the new, like, vinyl crate that I'm going to be getting, I am a tad bit worried about how they're going to ship it, especially like some of the vinyl that I'm going to be getting. Like Megalithic Symphony is like, it's a lot. It's a lot of, it's a lot of vinyl. It's a lot of records. I'm like, I kind of hope that they don't fucking destroy my records because I'm going to have how many records? I mean, I haven't even talked about, oh yeah, let me end the podcast with, oh, finally. We're getting to the final, like, home stretch of one of my favorite musicians or composers uh, finally releasing some of their music. Speaking of musicians and composers, I've been listening to classical music for the last couple of days whenever I'm, whenever I'm reading Game of Thrones. Not because it's Game of Thrones, but because I just, I like listening to it. So I've been listening, today I was listening to Mozart, which, um... He was really, really awesome. <laughs> I love how I'm like, uh, how uh, I was like, I just like said like, you know, Lud- not Ludwig. I I just read something on Twitter. I, I like, I love how I refer to like um, Mozart as like really, really awesome. Like, I'm like, you know that, that Mozart guy? Yeah, he's pretty awesome. But no, I was listening to Mozart. Uh, there was, uh, I was listening to Allegro, Allegro. And I was also listening to, uh, what was it? Rondo. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I'm, I'm American and my dirty American accent. I don't know. What, what was he like Italian or whatever? I don't know. But I was listening to Mozart, uh, just, you know, just because I, I just want to listen to some Mozart today, some classical music. And there's this really, really awesome song. What is it? It was Rondo. Rondo, where there's this, like, this really, really awesome, powerful, stringed uh, part of the song. It was, it was beautiful. Here it is. Here's a little bit of it. This is my this hold on. This is my favorite part of the song. The uh the cascading strings and then it's just like and then uh they like uh Mozart adds in for a little bit of texture, kind of like Salt Bay, he adds in like these really, really deep, heavier strings, like a cell like some cellos. It's it's great, it's awesome. Here it is.
when I listen to the the to the addition of the of like with the cascading strings, and then he added in for uh, the finale, the uh, the really really like deep the uh, what is it? Not the darker. It's not the darker tones. It's a uh, the uh, the lower pitches. I was just like my mind was blown when I heard this. I was just like, oh my god. But yes, I was listening to Mozart. I was listening to classical music. I was just like, oh, okay, this is pretty nice. I can see why people who like, I, like I've always wondered why people use this, like why people will listen to classical music to study. I, I get it. Like it's sometimes hard to listen to music that is like lyrically, like lyrically heavy. It's hard to listen, in, excuse me, to lyrically heavy songs whenever you're studying because you can sometimes like listen to the words and it's just like with classical music when there's no singing I, I probably couldn't listen to opera but with classical music without the singing it's it's fine you you never pick up on the actual like like um you you can pick up all the melodies but I think the melodies like enhance the the learning experience but I was listening to that but I'm super excited it's like we're coming in the final stretch of Persona music. Finally, finally, man, being released on IAM8Bit.com. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, there is this website called IAM8Bit.com that essentially deals with collectible video game nerdy items and things of that nature. And one of the things that they do very, very uniquely is they sell vinyl. They sell video game soundtracks, and they sell a lot of them. They sell a lot of really, really good video game soundtracks. The problem is, is that specifically with some versions of their soundtracks, they are extraordinarily expensive. For example, um, I, I mean, I won't even give off the prices because I don't want to admit how much money I've spent on this. But just know that... Um, that they're a lot of money. <laughs> they're a lot. They're more than like twenty to thirty dollars. But I've been trying to find these. Uh, goodness gracious, just these like these vinyl records for myself. These vinyl records for years. Right at this point, I've been trying to find this music for these for these soundtracks for years. Specifically, Persona 3 and Persona 4. These are video games. Their soundtracks are composed by this awesome composer, Shogi Maguro. Fuck it, I'll play some. I'm like, I'm like, fuck it, I'll play some. Let me show you. Shogi Maguro, or Shogi, it's Shogi Maguro, excuse me. Shogi Maguro, super awesome composer. Brilliant, brilliant musician. Has composed the majority, if not the entirety, of the Persona series' soundtracks in just awesome, awesome, awesome effort. And um and just not eff not effort, not awesome effort, but just awesome style and things of that nature. And he's had really he's he's made some of my favorite songs ever. Some people like like I feel like Persona 4 especially has um with their excuse me with their music has really 
has really kind of like superseded the video game industry and is now kind of like entered into pop culture. You'll hear songs like, uh, I think this song, Everyday Sunshine, Everywhere. No, 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 this isn't it. Where is it? I think it's like a dream come true. Yes, this is it. You, you'll hear this song everywhere. So that's one of his songs. He also has, um, what is it? Like, there's, I mean, there's so many songs. We'll, we'll just play some of them. Uh, we can play Heartbreak, Heartbreak, Heartbeat, Heartbreak. I always get the song confused. One of the best songs on the album. such an awesome song it just keeps on going it's like the main it's one of the main themes for the video game it's the song that you always listen to whenever you like are done for the day and you exit your high school and you start roaming around and doing stuff it's the quintessential song and theme for persona here's heaven great song as well
that song, by the way, is like played in the final seconds or not the final seconds, but that song heaven is played in like one of the final dungeons of the game. It's a very, very like, like, like you're the dungeon is ironically enough in the sky. And so that song is like playing very like melancholy in the sky as well. It's such an awesome song. Here's Nevermore, which is like the final. It's it's a song. It's not the final song, but it's the song that is played in the credits. And you kind of have like a flashback to all of these moments that you've had over the last like 70 to 80 to 100 plus hours in the game. Depending on which version, depending on how long you played it, depending on how long it took you to complete the game. It's a seven minute song. It's super melancholy. It's super sad. Oh God, Nevermore is just like such a sad but awesome song. And there's just so many levels to it. Just, but we don't have, we don't have time to just like sit here and watch a seven, listen to a seven minute song, but it's, it's awesome. New Days, what's New, what's new Days? Oh yeah, this is also like a song that's played in like the overworld of the video game. It's it's awesome as well. Just a nice little groove. Just a nice little groove. Signs of love. Pretty fun, pretty good song, and then it's Snow. We'll end Persona 4 with Snowflakes. Some of these songs aren't going to be on the actual album that I'm going to be getting because there are so many different versions of Persona games. Like there's at at very minimum one game for the last three games. There's one game per every game. There's one additional game per every single game. And it's like it changes the game in such a way that it's like it, it's kind of like an expansion pass, like every single new game. But like literally they add in 30 to 40 more additional hours of content, potentially. Like it's insane how much content they add and how much it changes the game. But here's Snowflakes and they also will like compose new songs for the new video game as well. This is one of the new songs for one of the new video games. 
This song, by the way, is played in the new game for Persona 4. It's Persona 4 Golden. That's the new video game, and I'll just refer to it as Persona 4 Golden from now on. But in Persona 4 Golden, this is the final song for the final changing of the seasons. Like, it's December, January, the end of the game is essentially upon you, but you still have a little bit to do in the game. And every single time you get the overworld, it's like snowing and things of that nature because it's, again, December, January in, in Japan. So here it is. It has an awesome buildup too, by the way, to it. Great fucking song. Great fucking song. It's so sad that this version of the song is on Persona 4 Golden and not Persona 4. Again, Atlas, the company that owns all of these video games, is super, super anal about the licensing. So when I bought Persona 5, the collector's edition, like five years ago, ironically enough, uh, I got a little like CD disc for the soundtrack and it only came with like 20 songs out of about a hundred. I literally called customer service and I was like, what the fuck is this? I paid a hundred dollars to get the fucking complete soundtrack and I get this little shitty version of it. And then the Japanese release gets all of the soundtracks that have ever been made ever, literally potentially over three to four hundred songs and here I am stuck with my little shitty 20. I was very, very annoyed. And by the way, this is another song called Persona 3. It's not it's not called Persona 3 FES, but it's just the title track. It's the title strong song for Persona 3 FES. It's super awesome. But it's not on the uh, on the vinyl. So, just like Persona 4, it had an additional game that went along with it, Persona 4 Golden. Now, Persona 3, ironically enough, has had three different versions of 
the video game, Persona 3 the base game, Persona 3 FES, and Persona 3 Portable. They've all had different music composed for the song, for every, not for the song, but composed for every single game. And again, the licensing will not allow I Am 8-Bit to essentially get all of the songs, all of the music onto their vinyl release. But this is like one of the, the awesome songs that Shogi Maguro uh, composed. Notice how, for example, with Persona 4, it was kind of this like, it did not sound like this. There is not a male singer when they had vocals. It was usually a, a you know, a female singer when they had vocals. And even the singer, even though she was like a woman, she wasn't this woman. So they have like completely different vocals to set the completely different moods and the tones for the songs and specific, and which would set the tones for the video games, of course. And the tones that they would want for Persona 3 was kind of this melancholy, dark version of the game. It's just like you are going into the night and like trying to go through Tartarus, this dungeon that is made up, I think, of from from like the the mall or I forgot I forgot what it was. I didn't play um, the the full on Persona Three game because uh, I wanted to play FES. But regardless, but you go into this dungeon, you navigate the dungeon at night, and everybody at night turns into like coffins and tombstones to protect themselves from the monsters that invade the night and things of that nature. It's a very dark tone. Persona 4 is you're hanging out with your friends, you're going to the mall, you're, you have your odd jobs, things of that nature. It's just like, it's a lot more friendly and, and, uh, and happy mood. So you get the, the fun songs, the, the 1980s Japanese pop songs, and then you come to this song, to this music and you have the rap and the hip hop and hard rock and and things of that nature and there's songs that genuinely reflect that better than this song but this is just the opening and things of that nature also the opening with the solo i'll play a little bit of the opening again but the opening with like the solo that turns into this part of the song is just stellar Here, here's the opening again and then we'll move on Awesome, awesome, awesome song. Burn My Dread is like a perfect song of a, a perfect version of the music that they want to create for this video game and that they did, in my opinion. That, that's just super awesome. Here it is.
awesome, awesome, awesome song. Oh my god. Mass Destruction is like the fight song whenever you're in a fight. This is the song that plays. By the way, I know that some of the songs, or most of the songs that we've played, haven't necessarily fallen into like the hard rock and the hip hop style, but st like, it, like these are the songs. Like, like, take my word on it. Most of the songs are going to be more about like most of the most of the so the tone setting songs are going to be like with hip hop and hard rock and things of that nature. And I think this song is one of them, as evident by this guy just speak spitting bars right now. Super awesome song, gets you hyped, gets you into the song and into the fights. And it was just a, such a such an awesome, awesome song. Mass Destruction. That's Persona 3 and Persona 4. The album that came out, or not the album, but the music from the newest video game, Persona 5, is so interesting because it's jazz. It's a lot of jazz. Even though both other albums have a lot of jazz influence to them. This one is directly rooted in jazz. Here we go. Alley Cat. In Persona 5, it's an incredibly sad video game to some degree. In both video games, you start out as kind of like the new kid. The There's a bit of mystique to you. People are excited to see you. They're like, oh my god, there's a new kid. In Persona 5, you're a criminal. From day one, you go to Juvie, you get out of Juvie. You are in Tokyo, Japan, uh, going to this high school called Shujin uh, Academy. Nobody likes you because you're you're seen as like a bad influence and a bad person on people, but you're really innocent of your crimes. And there's so many parts where as the main character, you get royally fucked. It's like you go to Juvie, even though really it's it like, even though you were doing the right thing, you were defending a woman from this predator man, 
and you beat the shit out of him, but you go to Juvie because he's, you know, he's a very powerful person. So he like calls the cops on you and he fucking sends you to Juvie. And then you have that on your permanent record that you're a juvenile delinquent. And then you go to a new school and then, you know, the teachers, they all hate you. The students, they all run away from you. It's not a good place or time for the main character. And there's so many songs, not songs, but there's so many times where this song will play. And the progressions, by the way, hold on, it, like it just changed and it was just awesome. I gotta, I gotta like play a little bit of it. But hold on, I'll, I'll shut up and I'll let the song play. Adds a little bit of piano. Just an awesome song. One of the best songs Shogi Maguro has ever made, in my opinion. And it's just the consistent theme throughout the song, or not throughout the song, but throughout the game. And there's some days where it's just like raining and you ironically enough live in the attic of like a cafe. So sometimes it'll be raining outside and the cafe is, and uh, not the cafe, excuse me, but like it's raining and you're in the cafe and then you have to go out and you have to go do stuff and it's just an awesome song to play. Here's Beneath the Mask after just an awesome, awesome, awesome song by Shogi McGurl. Beneath the Mask. There's also two versions of this song as well. There's the instrumental version of it and then which isn't as good as the one with vocals and then there's the one with vocals that we're about to listen to Such an awesome song. Awesome, awesome, awesome song. All all the th songs that we've listened to, whether it's been Persona 3 FES or or um or Heartbeat Heartbreak or what was it so what was it? Um Burn My Dread, excuse me. It's late and I'm tired. All these songs have different have somewhat similar tones in some degrees, but they all are just completely different when it comes to the types of genres that they are in right finally we got last surprise and then we'll peace out last surprise is uh 
the fighting song for the game. This is the song that plays whenever you're fighting things. Probably one of his best fighting songs. One of the better fighting songs of the, uh, of really the entire series. Last Surprise. Such an awesome fucking song. It's perfect. It's perfect for the game. Perfect for the tone that they're trying to set. And just an overall perfect song in, gen in general. But, uh, I ordered the soundtracks on vinyl about a year ago there's just they're, like they're not going to be released on digital i don't I'm, i won't get these on digital but i bought these two or these three records about a year ago in like december of last year and they were like i was so stoked on them i was like oh my god i cannot believe they're coming out i was freaking out i was so excited oh my god and finally like home fucking stretch I'll finally be able to get them in like a couple of a couple of weeks, hopefully. But oh my god, I mean, shit! Like she's still going on. It's such an awesome song. I'll play it out, and then we'll listen to one more song from another vinyl that I'm hoping to get very very soon. Awesome song, Last Surprise. I got one more song for you, and then we'll peace out. This song, and we won't listen to it because... We won't listen to all of it because it's seven fucking minutes long. We're not going to listen to all of it. This song is from one of the most legendary video game series of all time, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts is a really, really weird infinite... Any, any Japanese like studio has licensing weirdness with their music 
and Kingdom Hearts is no exception to that. But Kingdom Hearts also has licensing issues with their music because Disney also like contributes to the game as well because like Kingdom Hearts, I think I just saw a quarterback break his ankle. God, oh my God. Oh God, I'm watching USC versus Fresno State and USC has been getting at the quarterback for Fresno State all fucking night long. Do not show me him breaking his ankle potentially again. Don't show it to me. I hate seeing players get absolutely brutalized on the football field. I don't know why people love it so much. I don't know why absolute psychopaths show it over and over and over again. But I think I just saw the the Fresno State quarterback break his leg, which is absolutely horrifying. But um, going back to Kingdom Hearts... Kingdom Hearts, some of the best video game music really ever. Some of the best, like, piano compositions I've heard really in my entire life. They're just really, really awesome. Uh, piano compositions accompanied by some really, really awesome strings as well. And I was kind of shocked that really Square Enix didn't get on top of it considering just how awesome the compositions was but i mean it's no surprise considering this is the first and only release like the persona like we were talking about persona for almost 40 minutes now but persona as great and as dope the music is as awesome um the composition is for the music this is the first time in 30 years that Persona will have their music be released on vinyl. Like the first time ever in the history of the video games uh, history. That there will be music on vinyl ever. So it's not that big of a surprise that Kingdom Hearts, which has two companies that really probably don't like licensing out their IPs, is like, eh, we don't want to license out our music. But... There is um, this guy, I, I guess, I, I don't know his relation to the video game, but I guess there's like this, hold on, here we, here we go, here we go. Follow, this is the product description for the vinyl for, that's made by, I guess, the composer Rosen or the producer Rosen, I don't know. Following the success of Near Glory to Mankind, Rosen and Revan are back for their second studio album as a duo, this time tackling the Kingdom Hearts saga. Kingdom Hearts is, a, is full of classic dichotomies, good versus evil, light versus dark, unexplained lore, time travel, interconnected characters, and above all, excellent music. I agree with the final statement and every other statement, but they also forget um, obnoxious and pretentious themes within the game. But regardless, continuing forward, all of which is the perfect ground to explore with multi-genre, large-scale arrangements, the Keyblade War weaves along the boundary between light and darkness using themes from across the series, from the heart-pounding distati, I don't know how to say that, to the melancholy vocals of Sanctuary after the battle, all music arranged and produced by Rosen and Revan, featuring performances by the Sophia Session Orchestra and, and Choir, along with returning collaborators, Ethereal String Orchestra, Ro Ronan, uh, Christian, Nay, Gus, and more. It's a really awesome song that they have. It's The album is called The Keyblade War, but the song that we're going to be listening to is The Keyblade War. It is 
probably the most familiar song when it comes to Kingdom Hearts, and it's probably the best. Here it is. That little like progression, the dun 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 dun, with the heavy with the strings, that's essentially the theme of the series, the Kingdom Hearts series. It's a great theme. It's an awesome theme. We'll turn it up, and then it leads into like this progression. And then it goes on for like an additional five minutes. It's an awesome song. It's an awesomely composed song. Some of the best, if you're like a fan of classical music, some of the best compositions, ironically enough, reside in video games. There's just so many awesome compositions there. But um, yeah, Kingdom Hearts, the Keyblade War, super awesome soundtrack potentially. The Keyblade War, the song is infinite, infamous from Kingdom Hearts. It's dope, it's awesome. Cannot wait to listen to it. But cannot wait to get it. But anyways, uh, that's it for tonight. That's the music that I'm excited for. We got football tomorrow. Cannot wait. We're going to get into it. Until tomorrow, I hope you have a fantastic day. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>